My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast15. And just like that, you're at home with your new baby. And now what? All the newborn pictures seem to feature peacefully sleeping babies. And yet your well-meaning relatives have all told you to sleep as much as possible in pregnancy because you're never going to sleep well again. No wonder we enter parenthood so confused around baby sleep. This week's guests, Kat QB and Sarah Carpenter, known as the Sleep Mums and hosts of the Sleep Mums podcast, are here to empower you this week with their practical and intuitive with zero judgment sleep advice. So welcome ladies and thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you for having thank us. You for having us. <laughs> I mean, Everyone wants to know everything you have to know now, don't they? Um, because if you are sat here listening to us with a new baby, you have probably Googled sleep more than you ever thought you would. I certainly know. 2 a.m., my search history was all around newborn sleep when my son was born. Um, and I just wonder if you'd be happy to tell us a little bit about yourselves and then what led you really to become so interested in the subject of baby sleep? Do you want to go first, Sarah? No, no, you go for it. Oh, so, <laughs> so polite. <laughs> well, no, and do you know, the thing is, so Sarah's a little bit of a reluctant star, but she'll come <laughs> to tell you that her whole background is about babies and looking after parents and children. And um, I'm kind of the 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 showbiz one, I suppose. That, um, my background is presenting and writing and things. And so when I first um, suggested to Sarah that we do the podcast, um, she needed a little bit of persuasion. So she she kind of always is like, you speak first. <laughs> um, and I, I always say, do it for the children. Yeah, um, I love it. <laughs> that's how I persuade her to do things. So um, I, I'm Kat. I'm a mum of three. Um, I, I, I really struggled with my firstborn, as lots and lots of parents do. I read all the books. I thought, you know, I, I, I thought I could be really prepared by having all this information. And um, still, I really, really struggled. Um, and I was confused as well, I think, by the overload of information. And through a friend of a friend, I was put in touch with Sarah um, when my daughter was about six months old. And um, she came to the house. She stayed over. And um, 
she was nine months pregnant eight months pregnant herself at that point she was like I'll just sleep on the floor I was like oh my goodness she is a total trooper (laughs) but I thought you know she's going to need to be because at the time my daughter was up every sort of 45 minutes Mm -hmm. um and I was feeding her we'd had lots of issues with feeding and she'd had tongue tie so you know obviously I just wanted to feed her because I was worried about her weight um and then and Sarah and I just bonded at 3 a.m in the middle of the night with this kind of stranger in my in my house and um not only did she save my um my marriage my um uh my my experience as a parent by helping us get more sleep um we also became pretty firm buddies and um you know seven years later here we are we always talked about writing a book together just because of what I do and um, and then the pandemic happened and I said why don't we do a podcast we'll just do six or seven episodes you know to support parents in those early weeks and um and and the response was phenomenal and it grew from there and um we got an agent and we got a book deal and we uh, published our first book Sleep Better Baby with HarperCollins last year and yeah it has grown into something we never ever thought it would but you know whenever I think about the sleep mums and us you know my mind always goes back to that very first night with Sarah and she was sort of perched on the edge of my bed pretty sure there were tears streaming down my face mm-hmm. um, and you know and and I think about that all the time I think we think about that all the time in terms of what we do god I feel I think I'm quite emotional I might be hormonal <laughs> <laughs> um yeah in terms of what we do we think about that all the time we think about what that felt like and what it feels like to be you know up in the middle of the night not knowing what to do feeling quite alone and feeling like you're failing because that was a really big part of how I felt because I thought oh well I've read all this information you know I'm I'm an accomplished person I've done all this stuff like I should be able to do this because there's this sort of feeling I think you know that it will be intuitive that Mm. motherhood or parenthood is intuitive and um, yes of course there are elements are but there's a lot of stuff you don't know Sorry, oh. I had a massive monologue there. So no, um. I love it. I love it. And actually, Kat, it gives beautiful context to what we're going to be talking about today because there's going to be lots of people listening that are like, yes, yes, yes. Like, that's me. That's where I am. And to hear that actually there is, there's hope, there's choices, there's options, there's stuff you can do, there's support. There's other women going through it with you. You're not the only one at 3 a.m. is invaluable. So I'm really grateful that you shared, shared a little insight into your story and, and how your beautiful partnership began. But Sarah, it sounds like you now need to sell yourself. <laughs> I can't do that at all. Um, no, I I did my training down at the Norland College a very long time ago, and um, very quickly realised that my area of speciality was going to be babies. And then, um, after working in Australia for a few years as a maternity nurse, came back to Scotland and realised that parents really did just need troubleshooting help. They didn't want the traditional maternity nurse anymore. They wanted to do what they wanted to do and be the parents they wanted to be but then know that they could access help when they were ready Um, and so Sarah Carpenter Sleep was born which was essentially me troubleshooting for all sorts of issues but the majority of parents would come to me with sleep issues Um, and 
yeah, it grew and grew and grew um, from sort of phone calls here and there to the overnights, which I absolutely loved, um, you know, getting to actually see parents and bond with them and really be able to um, help them, not just with sleep, but with everything. Um, and then obviously Kat and I met through that. And then during the pandemic, that then evolved further into what I do now, which I do still go in-house, but a lot of what I do is remotely on camera. So I'm still with the parents overnight so it's real-time advice at every wake up but it allows me to reach more people so last week I was working with a family in Australia and this week I'm working with a family in California so it's really nice um, and it just shows you know so many people need help with sleep but the worrying thing is that people feel like they aren't allowed to get help or they're failing if they do get help. And I would love for every single person that has a baby to know that there is help out there because nobody should suffer in silence and nobody should not enjoy parenting because of the lack of sleep. And so many people suffer with that. Oh my goodness, Sarah, you're incredible. Being up with my own child was really hard, but you're up with other people's children. Like that's a whole other level of... It's she is so... crazy. She exists in so little sleep. It's like, I, I mean, it's so funny because we talk about how passionate we are about sleep. And I'm like, yeah, and you need to get some more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the benefits of great sleep. And you're like, um, yeah. you're getting the least. No, but the, the thing with that, like people say that to me all the time, you know, how are you not exhausted and how do you do it? with other people's babies but it's so different you know mums and dads have all the hormones and emotions of their own baby and are going through such turmoil because the minute you have a baby you're a completely different person so there's so many other factors to what everybody else is going through literally all that I'm doing is staying awake and advising so I'm in my comfort zone so I don't ever want people to think that I'm doing anything special or anything that's you know making me suffer because it really isn't like it's you guys it's all these new parents and not even just new parents you know I have a lot of clients who are on baby number three four five so it's whatever you know every baby is so different that whatever stage you're at you guys are the ones that are going through it and you know being tortured by lack of sleep lack of sleep for me is nothing because I know that I'm helping oh you are we need we need more people like you in the world you're incredible um and one of the things I just wanted to touch on we we kind of alluded to there is around that that kind of judgment and stigma around sleep in terms of getting help, but also just generally, I feel like it's almost one of the first things people ask you, oh, congratulations, you've had a baby. Have they slept? Like, do they sleep? Are they a good sleeper? Like it's one of those things that just rolls off people's tongues automatically. And we judge this child by how long and how often they sleep imminently. What are your thoughts around that? Cause it must be something you see all the time. I think um, I think we judge ourselves as well because of that narrative. So I think that we put an absolute um, shit ton of pressure on yeah. ourselves. Um, and I think that it's, I think that's true at parenting as a whole, but there are these sort of pressure points, I think, particularly around sleep, just because it makes you feel terrible. Like, you know, of course it is a part of parenthood, but that doesn't mean that you know, being sleep deprived is some joyous state to be in. It's not, it's rough. And you, you look back and you think, oh my God, I can't believe I drove my car or, you know, like, um, but I think that every single sort of pressure point in terms of parenthood, there is going to be judgment around because 
whatever you do whatever ends up working for you you need reassurance that that was the right thing to do I mean not everyone I'm not saying that everyone is judgy because you know our community totally isn't judgy like that's the important part and I'm sure yours isn't either but there are people out there who are um but I think that yeah we sort of need to to feel reassured by the decisions we make so sometimes people get really sort of like loud about what they've done and the fact that it worked for them and that's where the judgment comes in I think so I feel like I've been a bit vague about that but yeah um, definitely like I think it's automatic for people to want to validate what they've done which is understandable but I think if everybody was able to just rationalize that what works for somebody now isn't necessarily going to work in six months time so there's a lot of judgment from people in those early days because something that they've done is working for them so they judge the next person for doing something different but then actually those judgy ones are the ones that in two three four five six months time are then needing to change what they've been doing because it no longer works for them so if we could just remove all the judgment from day dot it would be amazing because people could then freely support each other and just acknowledge that babies change babies needs change parents needs change and it's okay to go with that and I also think the judgment is there over people meeting babies needs however it's important that parents needs are met as well and I don't think there's still not enough I mean Kat and I talk about parents needs all the time but I don't think people do talk about that enough because like Kat said at the start you know tongue-in-cheek about saving her marriage but you know for a lot of people that is real like relationships break down in those first years of having children because of lack of sleep because of lack of communication and you know for a lot of people if they could access the help that they needed initially judgment-free then the relationships would survive there's no two ways about it so you know by changing the way we view baby sleep and baby's needs and actually focusing on the parents as well as the baby it would really help everybody feel less judged and get the help that they need I was thinking about that the other day you know that like the kids are all right thing that's like from like Mm. what the parents are all right (laughs) like in some ways because it all totally filters down you know like I know that my kids are happier and in a better place when I'm happier and in a better mm-hmm. place and that's not to throw shade on people going through difficult times I also had you know uh, really struggled after the birth of, of my son and then beat myself up about the fact that I was in a bad place and therefore like what impact that was having on him but it's about making sure that the, that people have support to to mm-hmm. be in the best place that they can be at that point in time yeah definitely and it's hard isn't it I definitely remember with my son a lot of my friends babies that, that were born around the same time just slept through the night. They didn't do anything particularly, they just did. And my little boy did not. And I remember thinking there must be something I'm missing. It must be something I'm doing. So for those people that are sort of thinking that, I I totally resonate. And that's why we're having this super supportive and non-judgmental discussion today, really. And and it leads me to, to that new baby phase, brand newborn, full trimester, everything's new. You've suddenly got home and you're like, what on earth am I doing now? What are the realities of sleep with a newborn, ladies? Tell us. So <laughs> this... There is no reality. I think that's the thing. You know, every baby is so different that you don't know. You know, between our six babies, 
the those first few weeks have been different with every single one of them and um, you know some people can get newborn babies who do just sleep all the time and other people get brand new babies who don't so I think removing this idea that there's a normal or a reality is also a good thing um, but the really super important thing to remember that is in those first few weeks, it's not about sleep. And it actually, if you get a good feeding schedule and a, you're focusing on the feeds, the sleep does follow with that. So a lot of people, they want to start newborn life focused on sleep. But actually, if you forget about sleep completely, you've got way more chance of being that little bit more relaxed and actually finding that you fall naturally into better sleep habits. But you can't do anything wrong either. And that's, you know, again, something that Kat and I probably bang on about in every single episode. <laughs> like you don't, you can't do anything wrong and you can't make mistakes. And, you know, it's all about being comfortable with your choices and doing what feels right for you at the time. So if you have a newborn that you want to contact nap with 24 seven, that's totally fine. Or if you have a newborn that you want to put down in a cot, that's totally fine. The main thing is that you feed your newborn. I love that's so helpful because how many times have we heard, you know, if someone's cuddling their baby or you're making a rod for your own back or, you know, you're going to regret that. We hear that all the time, don't we? I think it's a, a probably slightly a generational narrative as well. Um, so I love that we're we're changing the conversation around that because you just can't over cuddle a new baby, can you? They're just too scrumptious and they grow so quickly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think as well, you know, we were just harking back to talking about parent care as well. Like so much of what happens in those first few weeks is about, can be about the birth that you've had, you know, um, whether your baby is born at term, whether they're early, they're, you know, a bit later. Um, and all of those things can impact how how they are when they're born and of course how you are when they're born too. Yeah, it's still so raw, isn't it? And it, I think it's called the fourth trimester for a reason. It's almost like that time we need to, just give ourselves some grace and just be kinder on our on ourselves and our new life as we navigate this this whole new role, especially if it's your first baby. Um, so it's probably no secret that you may not sleep so much when you've got a child than you did previously, unless of course you are Sarah, who <laughs> doesn't sleep very much anyway. Um, but is there anything parents can do to kind of prepare for that or understand or learn a little bit about what to expect? What? It was funny when you said at the start about, um, you know, folk telling you when you're pregnant that you should, um, you know, sleep more because you're not going to sleep in the future. First, as someone who had really awful pregnancy insomnia, you tend to not be sleeping that much when you're pregnant either. And then on top of it, sleep doesn't work like that. It's not like we've got this bank that you're like, oh, there we go. I've, I had a really good sleep up until whatever age I was when I had a baby. And it doesn't matter because I had lots of great sleeps. You, it just is so insane and so frustrating. You're probably actually better training yourself by waking up every three hours. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, um, just in terms of the things that you can do when you first bring your baby home like no pressure as Sarah said you're in those first few weeks you are trying to kind of um just get to know your baby and get to know yourself uh, as a new parent um and then there are sort of wee things that you can do which will help to put in kind of some of the foundations that might help you towards better better sleep um as Sarah said focusing on feeds um thinking about night night and day um, lots of people talk about babies having jet lag when um, when they're born, but it really it's just about establishing circadian rhythms so that you want them to have their daylight hours 
you know, whatever that looks like to you, their daytime hours um, and using light to, to help that. And and then overnight for those sort of for the 12 hours or so, whatever you, you choose them to be, that you're using darkness and, and softer voices and things like that. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you said about bringing your baby home, like when I first brought my daughter home, we would like have the telly on really loud, you know, all of these things overnight when I was feeding her and like we would both be talking and it's like, no wonder she wasn't sleeping. We weren't creating a sleep positive environment for her to, to do so I mean aside from the fact that she was also a newborn um, and she's got a lot of sass even as an eight-year-old nearly eight-year-old. Kat I remember because I didn't know that the whole sleep in the day improve sleep at night situation so I remember when our little boy was a few months old we'd be like don't let him nap don't let him nap we need to keep awake because otherwise you know he won't be tired at night time that's why he sleeps so terribly so I think definitely educating yourself a little bit around that is I think it's funny as well like obviously Sarah and I talk about sleep a lot Sarah's extremely knowledgeable I've kind of joined her on this this journey and the number of people that still say what you've just said like oh we keep them up and Mm -hmm. um it actually blows my mind because I'm like I feel like everyone talks about this that overtiredness is the like biggest reason to not be sleeping but yeah it's wild how much that still exists I think Mm -hmm. I think it and we talk we talk about overtiredness and undertiredness a lot because I think it can also be something that kind of freaks parents out because you're like how the hell do I know what that balance is and people get like this wasn't so true when I was um when when my daughter was born I don't know about you Sarah but people talk a lot about awake windows now and I think that can be quite stressful for parents too <laughs> you've got your head in your hands oh you? I totally agree like awake windows are a thing and they are real but they are real for the first few months you know it's really from not to 12 weeks maybe 16 weeks at a push that you have to be very aware of awake windows but I cannot tell you how many people I get getting in touch around about eight nine months saying but I'm sticking to the awake windows and it means that you know I wake them up an hour and a half before they go to bed for their nighttime sleep but then they won't settle for nighttime and it's like yeah that's you know you're following awake windows for a very tiny baby um and that is it's that's something that frustrates me especially but Kat over the years as well because I've drilled it into her with all the advice being so focused on like the newborn days and the newborn weeks and nobody's there to tell you how to progress so a lot of people focus on those first few months or you know the first I suppose not five months really but then it's like this big void of the next stage of advice so you know people do get stuck it's similar with um there's other um popular sleep consultants who talk a lot about the dream feed but then nobody actually tells people how to stop the dream feed so um you know that again is something that we do try really hard to fill the gaps where people have um have sort of offered advice and they're not and awake windows is one of them I think have we got a podcast episode on awake windows no I'm not sure we have I mean we talk about it so much with that yeah. going in the next series yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's your afternoon plan <laughs> <laughs> no you're 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 so right and it's one of those things where sometimes too much generalized information just becomes really unhelpful and you know I obviously sit in the birth world and it's really similar in that aspect mm. that too much information that's not specific to you just causes chaos and you're almost better having none of it and, and stripping back to a few key few little key pointers that actually work for you and your and your family so the sleep the sleep deprivation that naturally does come with this transition into parenthood. 
what tips do you guys have for parents to cope with it? I think Other our favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, check it's... out the sleep mums. Buy the book, sleep better baby, available in all good bookstores. <laughs> and you use people. I think that's the really important one. You know, people want to visit when you've got a new baby, but they don't have to visit and just have a cuddle with the baby. Like, ask them to help. Do the hoovering. Do the ironing. Make a cup of tea. Bring you a meal. Um, go and do a food shop you know these are all things that have to be done and contribute towards the sleep deprivation but actually if you've got a team of people that are willing to help like I still recall with my first who's now 11 um I woke up one morning so me and Harriet had a bit of a lion I think he was maybe six days old and um I woke up and my wee sister was in the kitchen doing the ironing. So she'd driven half an hour um, to go to her work, but had arrived early. And I'd just sat the ironing board up and started doing the ironing. And it was like the best thing in the world. So I got an extra hour in bed while she ironed all his clothes, which really didn't need iron, but it was a lovely thing. I was going to say, I don't think I ever ironed any of my uh, baby's clothes. So It was just amazing. And so it's little things like that, I think, you know, and you don't necessarily, obviously I was really lucky that particular morning, Harry and I were both sleeping, but even if we just had the opportunity to sit on the couch and, you know, stare at my new baby, that would have been equally as restorative as that hour of sleep. So, yeah, I think that is it's not a nice thing to see used people but you know what I mean like take advantage of people are there and offering to help take advantage of that I think quite often as you say people say oh you know I want to want to come and see the baby um or I want to be there for you or something like that and they come around and cuddle the baby and really what you need them to be doing is something else and I think it's like feeling okay to do that that those people that love you and they're there to support you but also about having support network that's wider than that and that could that includes I'm sure you and your podcast and us and ours you know that having people around or or support around and never ever feeling shame for Mm. for accessing that or or needing to um I think from an actual sleep sort of perspective um, as Sarah said, definitely focusing on feeds for quite really quite a long time, you know, like that's such an important part of it. Um, good feeds and then winding and then sleep will follow. And um, I I feel, you know, that I think we will, we would both say that having a start and an end time to your day, a consistent start and end time to your day, again, everything sort of falls into place. If you can have those two things where you're focusing on feeds and you have a start, a consistent start and end time to your day, those are the most important things when it comes to sleep. And a lot of people get freaked out by routines and things like that, but everyone has a routine, whether you're, you know, you're following one strictly or you're, you're not, there is a routine happening for you. And as the sort of bare bones of it, those are the important things Mm -hmm. to, to include. And that can be so helpful, can't it? And just sort of having that that feeling, that structure in your day. And um, I was just laughing when you talk about the ironing the baby clothes because I remember when I was pregnant, I went on a night shift and I came back and my husband had ironed every vest, everything we'd bought was beautifully ironed, and it's never happened again since because I have not got time for that. No. <laughs> what a lovely feeling to come home to though I know it was lovely. so lovely I don't think my husband's ever picked up the iron full stop <laughs> I mean I think it was a first and a last cat um, 
but you've got to laugh at you. It's that that proud moment, isn't it? All those tiny little, all those little baby goats hang up on like a washing line. That's just the best, isn't it? The best feeling. I think the, the the sort of final tip that I would have, I don't know if Sarah would add to it. I mean, obviously getting support, we talked about getting support from, from the right places, but also trying to not overwhelm yourself and therefore compare, like, you know, I think you, you were saying in terms of birth, it's very true, but that sort of pick someone or pick people that you're that you like that you relate to that you feel get you as a parent and follow their advice because sometimes I think it it, it can be super overwhelming particularly you know on social media and stuff like obviously we follow lots and lots of people when it comes to parenting and you within a two minute scroll you can have been contradicted a million times and like um uh, we're uh, a very lovely pediatric neurologist wrote the foreword to our book, Dr. Neve Lynch. And I was chatting to her the other day and she was saying she has not, she thinks that parents are more anxious than they have ever been. And that it's because of social media, because the, and you would think, oh my goodness, there's so much information out there that would be good that we're sharing. But actually it's because we're so confused. We're like, one person's telling us to do this and the next person's telling us to do something else no wonder we're tying ourselves in knots mm. so you know there, there's space for lots of different things like methods or types of people or whatever it is but but kind of choose someone and go with what they're saying rather than trying to to get overwhelmed by mm. by lots of people and obviously we would say come with us because we are <laughs> we're the best (laughs) and they say don't they comparisons are thief of thief of joy and I think when it comes to new mums new babies and social media that is so so true and and highlighted in so many different people's lives and can I ask you ladies about breast and bottle feeding are there any differences at this newborn stage especially around sleep for breastfed and bottle fed babies nope do what you want to do and be comfortable with it and if you've made a choice during pregnancy and it doesn't work out don't feel any shame at all that's such great advice Eric. So i know lots of people will beat themselves up one way or the other when it comes to feeding choices but also some people think my baby doesn't sleep well because i'm feeding them via breast or via bottle and sometimes that will then impact their feeding choice based on sleep which ends up with really kind of i think murky waters doesn't it yeah, I think, um, you know, we um, obviously we're saying focus on feeds and winding, but that suggests that babies only wake up, you know, overnight or during naps because they're hungry. And there's a million reasons why they do. And of course, you know, there are um, there are some differences, but really overall there isn't. Mm. No, that's really good. So if regardless of how you feed, the sleep advice is all the same, which is nice. Makes it a little bit smoother, I think. Um, yeah. Structure and routine, we spoke about a little bit. When can parents start to think about developing a little bit more of a routine if they want to? Because I do remember the beginning with a newborn really enjoying that lack of routine. Like we went off walking and then out to pubs in the evening till quite late. And you might be thinking that was a terrible thing to do. I'm not sure. No, I like that. That's a brilliant thing to do. (laughs) And Sarah is like, Sarah is the queen, you know, her, her favorite word is consistency, but then swiftly followed by flexibility within consistency. Mm. And I am, I'm sort of the, I'm a routine or have been a routine queen where I literally was like, nope, they need to be in bed at this time. Cause, because I'm a bit of a control freak and I like things to, to fall into place, but 
with my third, um, he's just one. Um, I've been much more relaxed and it fe- I feel like it feels so much better. So if, I feel like Sarah's taken like all that time to teach me to chill out about it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's about whatever is working for you at that moment in time. You're, you do start a loose routine from the day that they're born because you do stick to a feeding schedule. You're not, you know, even if you choose to have your longest stretch of not feeding during the day and then feed more regularly overnight, it's still a choice that you've made and you go with that so regardless of whether you're conscious of putting a routine in place because you're meeting babies needs through feeds you have got if you actually wrote it down over five days you would see that there was a loose structure there already um, and that then allows you to do whatever you want because you can feed on the move you can sleep on the move so you literally don't need to be restricted by a routine at all as baby gets older there are some things that benefit them to be a bit more structured and also benefit you as well so you know if you have been napping on the move you might get to a point where actually you want them to have a nap in the cot because you've got stuff that you need to do around the house or if they've been carrier napping they just get too big and heavy and so you need that more independent nap from that point of view so you never need to have a super structured routine but you will realize that you do actually have a routine in place definitely and I think you see that don't you I certainly felt that as as my little boy is now 20 months got older we we needed that but at the beginning it was quite nice just to have that oh just pop out and, and I was breastfeeding okay. so we didn't need to pack anything it was it was really nice to have that freedom and it's something I'll definitely I think use more with a future child in in that immediate period because we didn't realize how much freedom we could have had at the time because probably because we were so worried about sleep which is frustrating <laughs> isn't it? It, it it is it can be a little bit baby dependent as well like I would say I've had two that have been would be really really flexible with those kind of things but the the sort of the reason that the sleep mums exist my eldest is not so flexible and um, really struggled with changes in routine, which was kind of why I got so probably so into it. And so that's also about getting to know your your baby and what works for you because, you know, saying, oh yeah, be flexible, go out to the pub or do this. But if you're there and you've got a screaming baby and it's making you miserable, but your partner's like, but you, we, we need to keep our life the same. That can be that can be as stressful so you know yes being flexible being flexible is great but if it's not working for you or it's making you miserable don't do it (laughs) definitely yeah yeah definitely oh yeah for sure for sure Um, and your life just isn't the same isn't it we like we like to think it won't change but it does there's this small human that you're entirely responsible for your brain just sort of ends up rewired I think when once your baby arrives I was we were chatting about this the other day and I was saying like I sort of feel like it's really taken me now like eight years since I became a parent um to feel like comfortable in that and wearing that hat if that makes sense like I don't know I I think it takes a really long time to kind of combine the the pre you the pre-parent you and the the parent you and of course you're the same the same person but it just takes a very long time, I think, for them to kind of coalesce or maybe that's a bit philosophical. I can hear a baby coming, by the way, so we, oh, we might have it. They're all welcome. They're all welcome. Love a baby. Um, now everyone that comes on the podcast, I ask for three top tips, which is a bit unfair because there's two of you and that's an uneven number. So feel free to do a couple each if you want to. But your top tips for 
either expectant or brand new parents listening to us chat today? You can go first, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I, I kind of thought we'd sort of covered that, I guess, in terms of like using your support, uh, using the people around you, um, uh, d- try not to judge yourself harshly or other people. Definitely don't do that. Don't be too smug either if you are getting loads of sleep. <laughs> um, and um and and I think the biggest, maybe one of the biggest things that we talk about in terms of sleep is that it's not linear. It will never fall in a straight line. So those people that you had um, in in your uh, classes when your baby was little, they might have been getting sleep in those early days, but they might not be getting it now. And and that's true. I think that's not to make you freaked out about sleep. It's just the fact that you know, it's a long process with children, you know, but when they get older, they're getting up for a wee in the night or they've lost their favorite toy or they're having nightmares or, you know, that there is always going to be something. Um, and whilst that might seem stressful, <laughs> it's also why fi- getting tools that work for you and your family in the early days are really, really useful because they are not just going to see you through for a year. They're going to see you through childhood you know and that's whilst our book is really up to kind of 18 months so much of the the guidelines that we have in it I see you through the whole of childhood too that's so good and that's made me feel so much better thank you (laughs) but now they are getting up in the night when I'm sleeping yes (laughs) no judgment of course (laughs) never any judgment Sarah anything you want to add no, I think Kat has covered it with that. I think, you know, it is, yeah, that you can't really prepare for it. So just get the support that's out there, you know, know that there is support out there and access what works for you. Amazing. And Sarah, if people want you to be up with them all night, where do they contact you? <laughs> so they can either find me through the Sleep Mums or they can come direct to me at Sarah Carpenter Sleep on Instagram or through the website. Amazing. Thank you both so much for lifting the lid on a topic that we definitely need to support new and expectant parents more on. I really appreciate your time. No, thank thank you so much for having us. Before you head off, I just need to tell you something. 68% of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button. So can you do me a favor? If you have ever enjoyed listening, and hit subscribe now. It makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes. The bigger the podcast, the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help. Thank you for subscribing and I look forward to chatting again soon. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.